we got a goal down pretty early and this group of players just um, every time they've had to deal with adversity just do it in an outstanding manner and um, couldn't be proud of them I thought standing effort I thought our football was was fantastic I thought we were unlucky not to win the game but uh, irrespective of that the performance and the effort that the boys put in was uh, was uh, first rate reason that I'm here is because you know the club is seeking change. He said well whether you come or not you're going to see a completely different first team under me. You know my hope and my desire and what I'm going to try and do is give our supporters hope and, and belief that we're um, you know we're going to embark on something special. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You could follow me at a Stetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. This is episode 160. And uh, just a, a few things to talk about this week. It has been a very, very busy week in the world of Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, the women are back to action in the FA Cup. Lots of transfer news in that front. The men were back in action. A draw at Old Trafford. We will talk about that. And then all the other stuff between injuries, transfers, there's just a whole heck of a lot going on. Uh, we'll start by throwing it out to Scott. He is at Scott G. Bird. Thanks for uh, throwing that up on the screen for me. I, I thought I had it memorized, and then just seeing it there is like, I, I love that help for you, my friend. So how are you on help, this Sunday? Yeah, I'm yeah. good. I'm just freezing. It's negative 11 degrees here today in Des Moines, Iowa. So uh, fantastic, and always always a joy to be this to be this cold. But uh, other than that, you know, good result today. So doing well. Yeah, and 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 for our European listeners, that's negative eleven Fahrenheit, which is like yes, really. I don't. I type that in and convert it because I don't know exactly what it is, but it's like really, really cold. That's not like eleven below in Celsius, which is cold. Don't get me wrong, but it's not eleven degree, eleven below in Fahrenheit. It is. The, the, the center part of the country is getting just bone chilling cold. So shout out to all of our listeners uh, throughout the country. I, it, it's it's cold for me in Arizona. And I know that's ridiculous after you just said it's negative 11, but like it's been cold here. So I know it's cold elsewhere. Um, yeah. You know, I was, Ca I was Caroline, just, are you dealing? Oh, go ahead, Scott. No, you beat me to it. I was just going to send some vibes to our listeners in Montana and Wyoming because it's honestly supposed to get to negative 40 at one point today in both of those oh, places, gosh. Um, which I think is like on the brink of not being able to survive. So stay inside, please. Um, all jokes aside, be warm. Uh, yeah, we're thinking about you guys. Yeah, it's it's definitely the dead of winter. Car Caroline, are you dealing with any of that in Texas? Is it cold? Even if it's cold for Texas? <sighs> Well, now I don't want to complain because that does sound awful. Um, it's it's much less freezing here, but I do have to worry about the electrical grid in my cursed state, you know, going out. So everyone sends some good electricity vibes my way. Good electricity vibes. Well, we're going to have an electric podcast. I know that because like I mentioned at the top, uh, we've got a lot to discuss. Um, let's start. Let's just start with the game that we just witnessed, which I thought was kind of thrilling it was uh, you know a 2-2 draw that i felt like probably could have been better but also could have been worse in some some respects um scott what was your overall vibe coming out of a 
a 2-2 draw against Man- a Manchester United team that I think we all know is not Manchester United. Like it's not when you think of Manchester United, this is not that team. They are still kind of finding their footing, but it's never like an easy thing to go on the road to one of these teams like this and, and get a point. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the the, the 30,000 foot view is that it's a good point for sure. And when you scope in, I think, you know, they, they, they certainly had much more of their first 11 than we did. Um, I then consider the fact that both center backs had just returned from timeout, one of them quite lengthy, uh, that, that, that said timeout. Um, I look at our midfield consisting of three midfielders, two of which are just, dare I say, just ball recyclers and one who, who, you know, is really strong as a six, but that's a little bit concerning when, when you, you know, prior to the match, wonder how we may progress the ball. Um, and then you look at our front three, um, the right winger who's still looking for form and the left winger who's been at the club for two training sessions. Right. So for this hodgepodge of, of, of an 11 that we put out, taking a point from old Trafford when you've already taken three off of them at home is a heck of a result for me. I can't complain. Caroline, where are you with this? Because I, I messaged our group chat and it kind of, I think it was right around halftime. And I was like, I, I think you, you, you bite your arm off at this point for a draw. Um, it, you know, being down to one at half and in that position. And then after the match, I kind of feel like, I don't know. I, I would have rather that have been three points like that. We were so close and we kind of did whoop their ass a little bit. Yeah, I was joking earlier that when we play United, we always play better, but can't seem to quite get the win most of the time, which is frustrating. But I'm choosing to see this as sort of a glass half full situation just because of, you know, I know they had injuries as well, but it's it's beginning to be just absurd, our bad luck, like hearing that Sess got a new injury, uh, Kulisevsky being sick. <laughs> so we just, we can't catch a break and, I feel like in the circumstances, especially the fact that we, you know, went down twice in the game, it's it's good that we at least got a point away. I think that, um, you know, when we kind of zoom out and look at the lineup for this match, you know, the biggest surprise is that both Van de Ven and Romero returned. Um, and and it, it it's gotten to the point, like you're mentioning, Caroline, with the injury list, where I can't keep track of who's coming and going because it feels like guys are in and out of the lineup um, or, you know, in and out of training or whatever the case. But it it dawned on me that like this is the first time we've seen this back line of Idogi, Van de Ven, Romero and Poro in quite a long time, whether it be through injury suspension. I'd have to double check it. I think it might even be since the Chelsea match that we've seen, you know, it had to be because Van de Ven had been out. So it's just it's one of those things where it's jarring to see this good of a back line and this kind of, I think all things considered, this would probably be this team's first choice back line, even with a new center back signing coming in this week, which we'll talk about. Like, I think this would be the first choice back line. And so I, like, let's start there when we kind of break down the, the units in this match. Like I thought that this looked a little bit sluggish personally for, at least from the two center backs and trying to get things back on board. But if we want to talk about the fullbacks, I, I feel like I, I say it every single match. Th- these guys are rock stars. Like both Adogi and Poro, to me, once again, would have a you know a leg up for man of the match. Um, Poro bangs an assist again. I think that's his seventh of the season now, um, which I'm, I'm pretty sure I saw a stat earlier. That's the most that any defender has had for Tottenham in the Premier League era, and he's still got 
what like more almost half the season to go so just in, insane levels from both of those guys but from the center back pairing scott i thought like it looked a little bit sluggish did it look that way to you yeah it did um i you know i mentioned in the chat that i would maybe have half a mind to to keep royale in there for for one more match as the other two come back i think i can chalk up the first couple goals to just discombobulation or having not played together in a long time, right? That back four. But then at the same time, the butterfly effect, who knows if we get the point, if, if we don't have those two in throughout the game, I mean, they do a lot for the buildup and the progression of our play. So, um, you know, I just, I really chalk it up to nothing more than just both of them having been out for a while, especially Vandeven. That's a tough injury to recover from. And I think mentally, you're always thinking about that hamstring when you come back from something like that. So, um, you know, I'm, I, I don't make too much of it. And then uh, real quick on the fullbacks too. I mean, this reminds me of prime Walker and Rose, the way these two play together. And when Walker and Rose were flying down the flanks, um, it was just, it was evident that, that we were playing good football and in the modern game, when your fullbacks are that good, you're going to play well. The, the game really relies on the play down those flanks nowadays. And um, those two have been a huge part of, of why we're playing so well. So back line was great. I do agree. It's our, it's our preferred back line, you know, besides those two goals at the beginning of the game, which again, you chalk up to, to, to coming back to into the 11 for the first time in a while. And we move forward. Um, gosh, you just like got my heart a flutter when you compared those two guys to, to Walker and Rose. And by the way, I saw a report too, that Danny Rose was sitting amongst the Tottenham fans today at Old Trafford, which if that is true, hell yeah, Danny, like awesome. That's, that's, that's really good shit. Um, gosh, you just, I'm, I'm, I was so taken by that. And I nearly blacked out when you said it. Cause yes, that is like exactly where I'm at. And these two guys as a whole also might even be a little bit more athletic than those, those two. Like they're, they're just, they are specimens to me. They're, Possibly. It's, it's really, well, it's been a marvel to watch. Them. And the interesting thing is Poro, I think is a little bit better in the final third than Walker ever was. And I don't mean, I mean, Kyle Walker's phenomenal. Look at what he's done at city. I mean, trophies upon trophies upon trophies. He's their vice captain. Um, yeah. All credit to Kyle Walker, but Poro, is stronger in the final third for me. And I think Walker's probably got him beat when it comes to defending. But as we've talked about on the show, Poro improves week over week, you know, as far as his play in our, in our own third. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing to see what those two um, are capable of. And, and then Udogi, I mean, if, if we're comparing him to a prime Rose, who was 26, 27 at the time, Udogi's 21 years old. I mean, the kid is, I think I'm don't quote me on that, but and listener, feel free to connect, correct me, but he's got, a few years you know to go before he's even where where rose was you know when we're talking these comparisons so uh i'll say it again credit to parachuti for getting destiny Udogi into the club 18 months ago or whatever it was by the way destiny Udogi 21 years old um 21 yeah it's insane yep. crazy it's insane yep. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's insane. Yeah. To use. It's, it's it's insane. I think I think we made the point earlier that realizing like how young all of these defenders are. That I think Pedro Poro, who's like twenty three or twenty four, is like the oldest member of this backline, and that includes the, the new signing, uh, Radu Dragashin. Um, so it's 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 insane, like how young all of these these defenders are, and who all look pretty damn good to this point. Caroline, I want to let you jump in on this backline because I feel like Scott and I have been been hogging the mics here, but. Like Van de Ven to you, did he look, I mean, to me, I mean, I'm glad that it was just like 
cramps that, that at the end of the match. It wasn't like anything more serious. He didn't re-injure anything. It appears that was his quotes after the match. It sounds like he came out of it okay, but to me, it just looked like you know this is the guy's first match back, and it was intense and it was a little slow. But I'm I'm not worried about it. Are you? No, not worried about it now that we know. You know, it was just a cramp at the end. It it did concern me a little bit that he and Romero were both left in so long. But again, the bench being what it was, didn't really feel confident, you know, taking both of them out. And um, although it was good, good to get a, a glimpse of our new signing, you know, he looked a little tentative, I felt like, but also, you know, not totally out of place at the same time. But I thought probably the most interesting battle was the one between Udagi and Garnacho. Um, that was really entertaining to watch, not just from like a, you know, pace perspective, but to be honest, kind of trying to outflop each other. That was kind of hilarious. Um, yeah. But I thought, you know, Rashford to me was the bigger issue for the back line in this game because he is a lot more comfortable going inside the channel as opposed to Garnacho. Um but yeah, I, f I felt like in the circumstances, they did a, a pretty decent job. And like Scott said, some of the, the goals that we conceded were just kind of down to rustiness more than anything else. Um, and I think, you know, if, if those players had really been in better fitness, those goals don't happen. So I'm really glad you brought up the point about Marcus Rashford and, and, and cutting inside the channel. I do feel like in watching Pedro Poro now for about, you know, a year at Tottenham, uh, even back to the Conte days and his, the way that his defending is improved. We have seen it improve, I think, under Ange, uh, which is what everyone was worried about coming into the season. And now no one is. Um, but in this match, I will say it did appear that Rashford saw something there and and maybe like threw him a change up, because that is something I think that Poro has mostly struggled with when he does struggle to defend is a guy cutting into that inside channel. I feel like when, when he can push someone to the end line or more toward the corner and keep them outside, I feel like he's been really, really strong defending in that way. But if somebody cuts it in on him and, you know, gets inside leverage and then it's, it's Romero, you know, one-on-one -on -one or, or, or a midfielder slotting back, like that is where we do tend to see a little bit of trouble from that, in that sense. And I, I do think Rashford had a, you know, he obviously scored, and I thought he was really, really threatening down that side. So it's a really good point that you make. Um, I want to transition to the midfield because, Scott, I know that, like, we were talking, like, the first half looked really, really disjointed in this midfield. Um, but I thought the midfield as a whole, as a unit, grew into the game more. And I thought that's what the second half showed was, like, they we really controlled possession through that midfield really well through the second half. It didn't look great in the first half, but... I don't know. I, I think we all know like the story between names like Skip and, and Hoybier, like that they're not long for this, but they can deputize and, and put in a, a shift. I thought overall those guys both kind of did in this match, and I thought Bentoncourt by the end of it looked really good as well and obviously had the, the a hell of a goal as well. Like, what, what did you see out of that midfield? Yeah, I mean, I think Ange got it sorted out at halftime for sure, which is his job, and I appreciate that. I think Without Saar, you don't have a metronome, and without Madison or Kulisewski, you don't have a creative playmaker, somebody who's willing to take risk. And um, so it's always a bit of a doozy for the manager to figure out how to use that 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 uh, I want to say that pairing, but that wouldn't be correct. But the three of them combined, right in the midfield, you know what Bentaker is there to do. He's there to do what he's always there to do. And with the other two, you got to figure out a way to 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 progress the ball adequately. 
we didn't in the first half and he got it sorted out in the second. Um, I, I thought Skip played pretty well, actually. He did, he did ping a couple good balls. That ball into Werner was just fantastic um, on the half volley. <clears throat> I still take issue with PEH anytime he's on the pitch. And I don't mean that as a person, of course, right? I think he's a great dude, but um, I just, <sighs> he spends a lot of time behind the back line. You know, Bentaker is the six. He's not the six. I'm not quite sure what he's doing a lot of the time. And then I think with him and Skip combined, like you, like you mentioned, we've talked about it quite a bit, but they both are out there just somewhat recycling the ball, right? Moving the ball sideways, moving the ball backwards. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. We need to keep possession. But um, again, the Madison and the Kulisevsky piece was missing, but Ange got it sorted out at halftime. Um, and, and, you know, back to the bigger picture, we, we we found a way with this midfield, right? If we keep it midfield specific to, to get a point. Um, and what I really take from all of this, especially the midfield, is when we're back to our full our full squad with Madison back, Kulisevsky back, Saar back, Basuma back, we'd kick the shit out of United today, all day, all day long, up and down the field. They wouldn't have stood a chance, right? So um, things things are good at Spurs, even if the midfield was a bit a bit uh, uh, piecemeal today, we could say. Yeah, I had said that, you know, with only one of Kulisevsky, Madison, or Son back and stick any of them in that creative midfield role, even Son, I think, could could pull that off. Um, I feel like this is kind of an ass kicking. Caroline, what was your thoughts on this midfield? Like I said, I felt like gritty enough and, you know, got enough of a job done, kind of like Scott said. Yeah, I think Skip had a much better game than he did against Burnley uh, when I felt like he was pretty anonymous in that match. And I wish we could get that kind of creative passing range from him more often. And I don't really know how we unlock that from him in this system. Um, there just seems to be some sort of disconnect, you know, and, and like every other game, he just goes missing. Um, but I, I got to agree with Scott, like, Pierre's my heart just kind of sinks when I see him on the lineup and I hate that that's where we've gotten to but it just feels like he's too reactive when really we need the midfield to be proactive and it's it's not like he hasn't been that player in the past you know we see that with Denmark all the time um, that aspect of his game so again it, it's kind of a question of why why are we not getting the best qualities out of you know him and Skip in particular um, so that's a question for Ange to deal with until we do get our key players back. And, you know, I agree. Like, I can't wait to see what that's going to look like. But it's more a question of, like, when is that ever going to happen? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of kind of a painful wait waiting for Madison to get back. But hopefully it'll be soon. Well, now that it appears there are at least enough bodies up front to push Kulisevsky back into a midfield role like he'd been playing so well in the absence of James Madison, um, perhaps we can get Kulisevsky like near a, a bowl of soup and, you know, get him like fully healthy by the time this team next plays, which is, again, there's there's quite a ways until then. Um, there is a little bit of a break here until the game, so... Uh, hopefully everybody can get healthy that's been sick like and not you know sick sick not injured um and and get back to the to the field but uh, let's talk about the front line because i know like the standout performance for me was was richarlison i thought he was not only did he score with his head brilliantly um but i thought he was incredible just throughout he he looked more and i'm gonna say something like really dangerous here and really controversial he looked more like harry kane 
in this match than he ever has tracking back playing through the midfield pinging balls like he had a hell of a like a very non-richarlison style game even it looked like a different guy out there um i was really really impressed with with his his work rate his effort like everything about his game today was was chef's kiss for me well let's get it straight dude he's better than kane always has been <laughs> richarlison he's play, he plays for tottenham um and kane had no interest in doing that so uh, love, love. I want to. I want to make it very clear. I am not comparing the two players. I'm saying Richarlison did a very good Kane impression today. That's what I'm trying to, <laughs> no, play, he, trying to make. Just okay, to be clear, for sure. No, I got you. I got you. And he was great today. I mean, Richarlison deserves a ton of credit. We all know this. You know what's been going on in his life lately. Speaking up and saying you need help is a very difficult thing to do, especially when you're, when you're you know, as famous as he is when, when you're Brazil's number nine, right? And he said himself, where I come from, it's a very taboo thing to, you know, um, make you feel like you're maybe insane or, or you know, which, is, again, is a sensitive subject in itself, right? Respect to everyone out there who needs help. And I appreciate Richarlison speaking up and getting it. And that's, you know, certainly shown on the field. He was fantastic today. Um, that, that finish with his head, pristine. He's holding up the ball well. His spacing is great. Um, just a whole different person than we've seen, you know, prior, prior to, to this recent run. Um, and, and on the front three in general, there's no doubt about it. Our best front three is Sonra, Charles, and Kulisevsky, right? So I'll look very forward to getting back to that. I know Kulisevsky has been great in the midfield, but as soon as Madison's back, get him the fuck out of there and get him back on the right wing, right? I think that run of nine games before we lost to Chelsea, 10 games, whatever it was, he played every single minute of that run, right? So we all know how effective he is up there. We hadn't lost with him on the right wing. Um, he's very, very good there. So I do think, I know we'll get into transfers later. We need to get somebody in to back up Madison. I'd really love us to bring Gallagher in eventually to keep Kulisevsky up top and back to, to the front three, the topic, right? I, I really think once we get back to that front three, Sunder Charles and Kulisevsky will be flying, but um, but they, the front three today did a job, you know, on the back of Richarlison, on the shoulders of Richarlison, of course. I think, I think, uh, um, Brendan Johnson still, still got a little bit of work to do. I mean, his play up until the end product has been great. I really think it has been. His runs are awesome. He takes the channel super well. Um, intelligent runs, just a little bit of confidence needs to come. And I expect that to come in due time. I think anytime you go from, go from Nottingham Forest to Tottenham, you got to find a way to build up your confidence. It's just a different, different element or, you know, a different stratosphere, you could say. Um, and then with Timo Werner, I was impressed. I mean, people are going to look at the missed opportunities and the couple couple shots he took to Rosed, as they would say over there. But honestly, his spacing was great. He found really good opportunities to get himself on the ball. He's played, they said, 17 minutes in the last, I, I believe, two months, um, if not three months. So, so I give him credit and I'll be excited to see what he can do with more training sessions. And, you know, when Sun's back to supplement the minutes of Sun, I think he'll do a good job. Yeah, I, I do think we really needed Richarlison to be playing that kind of role in Decky's absence because we weren't going to be getting any sort of holdup play from anyone else on the pitch. Um, not that far forward anyway. So... I, I was really pleased to see him kind of make that tweak to his game. And he had a, a really good performance and probably is, you know, right behind Benton Kerr for player of the match for me. Um, 
And I, I can't disagree with anything Scott said about Brennan Johnson. I think it's just a confidence issue at this point. Um, Cause we know he's got the skills. Like he just, he's just got to get, you know, more comfortable and we do have to be, I think, show him a little bit of grace cause he is a fairly new player, a pretty young player. Um, and same thing with Timo. Like I could slate him for some of those misses, but he's had like two training sessions with us. So I'm going to, going to cool it on that for now. And um, I think we saw, you know, enough promise from him that it looks like he, he could actually work out. I think what we're at least seeing in this front, this current front three, like the one we saw today is that there are options. And while those options are Brian heel right now, like I do think that once we, once you get the likes of Kulisevsky son, Madison back and I'm going to include him in that just because he his presence pushes Kulisevsky back up to that right wing spot Scott I know you're saying like you prefer Kulisevsky in the right wing I prefer him in the midfield so long as Madison is out but there is news that Madison's returning to training like this week so hopefully he has enough time to build up and maybe even be back for this Manchester City match which we're going to come on to talk about but um, I, I don't know man there's there's options in this attack which is what I like like you're talking about, Scott, Kulisevsky can play as the right wing and push Johnson to the bench, or he can play in the midfield and you can have, you know, Werner and Richarlison and Johnson and some iteration of Sun when he comes back and he's he's in that mix as well, obviously. Like there there are ways you can play it and there are options. Um, and who knows, they may still want to go out and add something else. And the likes of, you know, we haven't even really discussed. I know Todd did on the pod a week or two ago, but like Manor Solomon is on his way back from injury as well. Like there are still these other ancillary pieces that can be added to this attack where I think that it can be good enough. I mean, you're going on the road today and getting, you know, fighting back from a goal down twice to, to, to earn a tough gritty draw at Old Trafford, I, I'm I'm encouraged by that result and knowing that it can get better when the health and the illness and all this bullshit is out of our club, hopefully. Hopefully that happens soon. Um, so like yeah, that's where I'm at in terms of of assessing this one. I you know, I don't what else is there to say about this match, like in the grand scheme of things? To me, it's important because you've now got like a week and a half off before an FA Cup game. Um it, it was kind of like a, a weird in a weird sandwich spot on the schedule. Like we're talking about all this, these injuries and health and stuff. Well, I kind of get why both the center backs came back and played today. It's because they're going to have some time now in training to get their, their bodies right. Like I get all of that. So I'm pretty excited about, about this, this result. I almost said victory, but it wasn't a victory, but it's, <laughs> it's one that I don't know, feels positive to me. Um, is that, is that, was that where you guys both are? Definitely. I mean, the, I think the biggest piece about it is, is it, and and I know we're you know going to talk about transfers eventually, but it it shows that we actually have depth. I I was thinking the other day, when's the last time we had a manager who wanted to be here, played the right type of football, a board that was behind that manager, um, and then depth for that manager, right? We we had two of those pieces with Pochettino, but we didn't have the depth. We have actual depth now. I think the the only thing we're missing is a true Madison replacement, right, to keep Kulisevsky in his best spot, that we'll get that sorted out. You could make an argument that with Ben Davies really being a functioning center back right now, you could use a backup for a doggy, but Davies can do it. Um, we've got real depth, and the fact that this piecemeal midfield went out today and got a result at Old Trafford just just shows me again that, that we finally have the depth that we've been really crying out for since – 
probably 2015 as a club. Um, so, so kudos to the board, kudos to Ange for getting the right guys in. Things are certainly starting to click, and today shows me that, I think. Yeah, and I think Ange has really been stressing that during this really tough stretch that he's proud of the players for continuing to play our style, you know, the style that he wants us to be playing. And even with his, you know, bare bones kind of depth that we have right now, we're still seeing that consistency. So I think that's a really promising sign. And also, if you just look at pure results, we gained four points uh, over the last season versus United, you know, the two fixtures. So, I mean, they, they've not really gotten any better or worse, but we definitely have gotten better. You know, so I, I think that's an encouraging sign in terms of like our overall trajectory. So pretty, pretty happy overall. I think that's a great point. I mean, this team has not turtled, um, you know, being like that depth has been tested, as you mentioned, Scott. Yeah, there's depth. But beyond this, this depth that's on the pitch, there's not much depth. I mean, they they only used three subs today in, in those 90 minutes, which, like I said, it's kind of a sandwich game in between some time off uh, with this kind of modified Premier League winter break. So you could get away with that, but like beyond the subs that they used, <laughs> Jamie Donnelly, Iago Santiago, Alfie Dorrington, and then your two keepers, Brandon Austin and Fraser Forster. That was the rest of the bench, the unused bench. Like who's coming on and changing a two, two match at old Trafford. N none of those players are. So it was a big Frazier up top, throw some balls on his head. <laughs> As a giant. Mean, it's possible. I mean, we, we did but, look uh, really threatening on set pieces, so it's not a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> we did. We did. Maybe if we were like up a man or two and could afford to throw all those bodies up. But uh, no, I, I, like I said, I think it's a positive result. And, um, you know, before we talk transfers, we did since since our last podcast get the draw for the next round of the FA Cup, which is this team's next match. And it is a home match, luckily, <laughs> thank goodness, against Manchester City, who I'll remind both of you have not scored a goal in our stadium uh, since it opened which I think would bode well, pretty well, for, for an FA Cup clash with them. But this is also Manchester City, a Manchester City that looks really fucking good and also just got Kevin De Bruyne back um, and looks like it's ready to tear shit up, if, I, if you will, uh, in this Premier League race. Um, how are we feeling about drawing Manchester City in this next round of the FA Cup? Are we pumped to, to go after this are we nervous does this suck i i don't i'm 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 of many minds on this one and i don't know, really know where i firmly sit scott i like it i'm i think city's gonna we're either gonna beat city or we're gonna meet them in the final we beat them along the way or we meet them in the final i mean they're they're good and in a way we're we're getting them before de bruyne is truly back right he'll get minutes against us for sure but he's still coming back to fitness like you said, they struggle against against Spurs at, at the Tottenham Stadium, but ultimately, I think the reason I like it more than anything is if we get if we get a result and we get through, that's that's incredible momentum to go and win the whole thing. I think if you beat City in this round, the only thought in the back of everybody's mind is we're winning this whole fucking thing and and, and let's start taking steps to make that happen. I also think Ange is a guy who will who who will relish the opportunity to to play city in the, in this next round he'll uh, he'll love the the challenge and he'll have the team ready for it so um big big tickers for me is madison back you know if he's back that'll make a huge difference 
thank goodness we'll have uh, Van de Ven and Romero. But if we don't have a creative presence in the midfield, I fear we may get our ass kicked by City. So that's that's the big ticker for me, for sure. Well, I was not thrilled when I saw the draw. Let's put it that way. But I'm I'm trying to talk myself around to being at least okay with it because it, the one thing is that we know the team will be up for this game because it is City and we don't have to worry about having one of those kind of lackluster cup ties where it looks like the team forgot to show up. Um, they will show up to this one. So I think that's, that's a positive. Um, we don't know. I mean, Holland, I think, is supposed to be out and it looks like Ederson may have picked up a pretty serious injury. Um, in their last game. So, it, you know, it, there could be some some weaknesses to exploit. And I, I just feel like I'm going to be a nervous wreck for this game and I'm not looking forward to that. So. <laughs> yeah, they have the pretty much the same num- amount of days off before that. that's the, their next match as well. So it's not like, you know, there's going to be any real rest advantage. In fact, they have the one day rest advantage because they played Saturday. We played Sunday this weekend. But you're right. The injuries are are there, and the opportunity is there. I, I think it's going to be an opportunity for this team to rise to a challenge. Um, but the only thing that I think about is, oh, this team has never scored at our stadium. Well, how long can that really last? <laughs> like that dam will eventually break, I'm sure. Um, especially if they're you know not as sharp. Uh, you know, they they went to you know look at United today. Like, oh, it's a little sluggish. I think these guys need to get their, their, their legs, their sea legs, their game legs back under them, specifically talking about the center back pairing. But um, obviously we know how good they can be. We've seen it all season uh, up until we didn't see it. So that's a good thing. Um, let's, let's bring on some transfer talk real quick, you guys, because we've alluded to it, obviously with the, the new signings that came in this week, um, Timo Werner in on loan, option to buy at the end of the season for somewhere around 17 million euros. Um, Radu Dragashin signs from Genoa um, around 25 to 30 million euros. Just a, a, an unbelievable like saga with that deal where it looked like he was going to be uh, stolen right out from underneath Spurs at the, at the last moment by Caroline's second favorite team, Bayern Munich. Um, somehow the, the young man honors his original, um, you know, promise to come to Spurs despite Byron trying to swoop in and, and steal a player and another player, I should say. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, like Scott, where do we sit on? Like this team got two January signings done like prior to, it was like the 12th when they had completed them both January 12th. And there were two ins. like, this was very unspurs like Spurs have kind of been the, the busiest team almost in football in, in January thus far, it's been crazy. It It's just astonishing. I mean, as long as I've been a Spurs fan, I just always assume that on the 31st of January, I'm going to be like, well, fuck, like hopefully we get something figured out today because we're fucked if we don't. And then you end up running around your office screaming because you signed Sissoko on the 31st, right? Like that, that's been, that that's been my past, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm elated. I don't, I don't know if it's Levy realizing he fucked up and, and learning from mistakes. If it's Ange grabbing Levy by the scruff of the neck and saying, get these guys in, or, or, or if it's a combination of the two, right. You have to think that these conversations would have happened before Ange took the job, right. Um, things need to be done my way 
when we need them to happen, right? Um, football becomes before the business, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, we, we got two really important signings in, like you said, by the 12th of January. And I still, I don't even think I'm, I, I've actually thought about it because I'm still potentially in disbelief that this is actually happening. I think it's that this team has a scouting setup now and like a plan like that they've implemented over the last year or so. Um, and it seems to be paying off, especially with the Dragashin move. It sounds like they this was like an early target for them as a guy who kind of fits the profile of someone who can come in and be the thir- the, the first choice off the bench slash rotational guy. Um, and it sounds like this is something that they had plotted for a while. And, and it, it's impressive that they were able to like fend off opposition which i know hits you close to home like how like what is that what it is to you it seems like there's like a real plan in place from this club right now to go get targets from a scouting standpoint gosh i wish my other team did have a plan right now but that's another topic yeah i think that's exactly it though we seem to have just a very cohesive transfer strategy at the moment like the coach is on the same level as the recruitment team they've got backing from the board like it's it's just going perfectly honestly um and it's it's really nice as a fan because you're like like scott said we're not stressed out thinking about you know what's still left to be done we're at a point now where it's kind of like okay if we get someone else in that's a bonus um but we kind of got you know all the the super necessary elements taken care of um i guess you can argue that another attacking midfielder is kind of necessary um but I think that one's a lot harder to to recruit for in the January window, um, particularly knowing who is or is not available. So I yeah I, I can't you know be upset about anything about how our transfer business has gone so far, and um, it's not like we've been paying exorbitantly for you know signings either in this past you know couple of cycles. So it's it's been like really smart business, timely business. It's just it's good. It feels like there's a plan. It really, it's, it's just, it's very bizarre. And I'm, it's, it's a bizarre that I'm embracing though. Um, a couple of other, the other minor moves before we're going to talk about one of the bigger outgoings, but you know, in a separate but related move to the Dragishin move, Jed Spence goes out on loan to Genoa, hopefully an opportunity for him to like kickstart and restart his career after it has certainly like been derailed by just clashing heads with managers and, not being able to get it going anywhere. Um, Ashley Phillips went on loan to Plymouth Argyle, which really made me look kind of stupid a day after I said on last week's podcast that I'm totally fine with him sticking around and like being under the wing of Ange Postacoglu and like he's learning the way and nope. Then he goes out on loan the right next day, right after I said that. Um, was named man of the match in his first appearance, so seems to be kicking on just fine, uh, <laughs> not being under Ange's wing. Uh, hopefully that blossoms into something and he gets some game time and development. Um, it's really, it, he's really expected to be something. So I'm excited to see him as a prospect come along. Uh, and then the rumors are Brentford could be interested in getting Sergio Reguilon off of our hands. Uh, who knows whether that would be a loan permanent deal, but there's, there's a lot of kind of outgoing rumors going around, but I, I guess the biggest question is what could be left for Spurs to bring in, in this window. There is still, like two weeks left in it there's still plenty of time despite them getting the timo d- deal done and you know getting the the dragish d- deal done i i know you guys are both mentioning creative midfielder i would also be totally on board with getting another center back in here just 
you know, I, like it doesn't have to be a big, huge name, but maybe someone younger or even older that a loan deal, something just as some insurance, because this thing is still very tedious at the back for me. And I want some rotation with guys like, you know, Romero and Van de Ven being, being my guys, like those are my dudes, but I just want a little bit more health back there. Um, but I agree with, with what you guys are both saying, like creative attacking midfielder would be great. Somebody to back up Madison and, or maybe it's that dribbly winger concept. We're just bringing those in all the time and seeing where they can fit. But Scott, where are you at? What else would you want to see if they do pull off another in during this window? Yeah. I mean, outside of the creative attacking midfielder, which I, I really think Gallagher is a great prospect. I don't think we'll get him in January. No way Chelsea's going to sell to us right now. Um, but I agree with you at center back outside of that center attacking mid conversation, because our center backs four and five right now are also our respective backup right back and left back. So, um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that I'd like to see a backup, a true backup to a doggy, whether that's Davies because somebody came in or somebody comes in because Davies is a center back. I think that would be, that would be smart um, because the second Royale or Davies are needed as a center back, you start to put strain on those two guys out wide, which we've already been doing. Right. So I think it'd be super smart. Um, I, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we went out and, and found some sort of, you know, loan to buy option from the lower depth of the premier league. I know Dakota shouts out Lloyd Kelly quite a bit. I think it'd be a really smart, smart signing, but Bournemouth might not be interested in moving him along too. So a lot of moving pieces this January doubt it happens, but I agree. Center back would, would be the spot for me. Caroline, where are you at? What else, what's your, what's your shopping list? Is it, is it checked off or, I mean, I feel like comfortable, but I, like I said, one more move would not be a bad idea. Yeah, I agree. Um, it, it is inconvenient that we kind of are stretching the back line so thin and Poro and Udagi really have had no rest except for, you know, Udagi's suspensions, I suppose. Um, so that's not ideal either. I don't know that there are any realistic targets for fullbacks. So if we can strengthen at center back, that at least alleviates that a little bit. Um, but I feel like we're in a good place with like our wingers. You know, we've got some younger players who still need to develop, obviously, like Johnson and Hill. But uh, yeah, I don't think we need to really be looking at that. Or, you know, I know earlier in the window, we were kind of talking about a, a striker. And I guess I guess Timo could kind of fit that bill, um, but I think he's much better at winger. And for the record, I do want to just state that I, I kind of glossed over the fact earlier that he got an assist on his debut. Uh, so kudos to him for that. <laughs> he did. He did indeed. But yeah, I feel I feel good about the forward situation for sure. So I, I don't think we have too much more work to do. Uh, let's talk about the big outgoing of the week, Eric Dyer. Uh, does head to Bayern Munich on a short-term loan that could turn into a buy, which doesn't really matter because his contract's ending. He's he's left Spurs. He's off to to greener pastures. And uh, um, I, I thought this was like a kind of a touching response from the fans when this actually happened. Like it, it didn't. I, I saw a little bit of you know, so glad this guy's finally out of our team, but I didn't see a lot of that. I saw a little bit of it. I saw way more like salute to Eric Dyer. Thank you for your service to this club type of stuff, which I know it's gone kind of bad at times with Eric Dyer. And, and it's been weird at times with Eric Dyer, like 
cut to him running to take a shit in the middle of a match and, you know, coming back out and winning man of the match. Uh, it's always been weird with Eric Dyer, but I've always kind of appreciated how real it's been with Eric Dyer too. Uh, and I just wanted to kind of give that nod to him on his way out. It has always been real and it has always been uh hard on your sleeve type of stuff. And uh, I hope he finds success in whatever he's doing next. But uh, Scott, throw it to you first on Eric Dyer because I know he's your boy. Uh, give you give your parting thoughts. Yeah, I mean, uh, outside of him being a, a really important part of two of the greatest seasons we've ever seen at Spurs, I just I would say he's arguably the greatest human that we've had on the squad for the past decade. I mean, stuff comes out all the time about the work that he does off the field. We know that he was there for Delhi at some of Delhi's darkest times, right? Um, really smart dude. He's built a couple of businesses up. Um, but but more than anything, you'll hear players left and right say, you know, he's he's one of the best squad mates they've ever had. So um, and he really he really did a great job of shutting off all the bullshit, all the toxicity coming from social media and all the teenagers that or, or full grown adults probably like to spout all kinds of teenager like shit. Right. But he did a wonderful job of, of keeping that, you know, out of, out of, out of his mind and was absolute class, you know, with his social media goodbyes to the fans. So I, I wish him all the best. And, and honestly, I can't, I could not stay in a job for nine years. You know, I like change. I, I like getting, putting myself in new situations. God, I, I, I'm I'm currently uh, in between jobs, so I don't have to worry about anyone hearing that, right? But but uh, um, no, all jokes aside, nine years is a long time, and I would think that he is thrilled to be in Munich with Kane, starting a new chapter. I mean, he just turned thirty, I believe. He might be twenty-nine. I think he just turned thirty, but got his whole life ahead of him, and uh, I can only imagine he's he's thrilled for for this next chapter. So. Caroline, does Eric Dyer really like? It's, does he make an impact at Bayern Munich right now? Is that how? Is that how far they've fallen? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's the defense situation at Bayern is very strange at the moment, mostly just because of similar to Tottenham, a lot of really bad luck injuries, um, just making it hard for us to build up any sort of, you know, regularity, momentum, cohesion. <laughs> So that hasn't helped. I, he'll probably get some decent minutes for that reason. Um, I don't know. I'm unconvinced how he's going to fit into the the Bayern team, but that's on, honestly more so down to my dislike of Tuchel. So that is what it is. Um, but good for him getting this transfer, like, you know, objectively going to Bayern Munich is awesome for any player. Uh, so I'm happy for him in that sense. And his, his farewell video actually was very touching um, and it was certainly more heartfelt than what we got from Kane. So, you know, he, he's been yeah, a dependable it wasn't done, player. It wasn't done in the back of his garden. It was, yeah, like it was, it, there was some effort camera. in it, <laughs> but I, I think yeah, he's been so a good cool. professional to the team. You know, like Scott said, he really did a good job of kind of blocking out all of the noise and never letting that kind of show, um, publicly you know how he felt about that so uh you know good luck to him yeah good luck to him he also very well uh, trophy you know yeah that, that, that's something that i think is easy is in caroline shakes her head like oh god i hope so well, but no leverkusen or you know 
I, I really they, thought they, they were going to lose this weekend, and I was upset. They almost so. dropped points. Yeah, yeah, I was watching that game, <laughs> just so close to dropping points. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Dyer, you know, after after a heck of a shift at Spurs and, like I said, some really special years, he may go win a couple of trophies. And, I, I you know, it's, I hate saying this. I don't want Kane to win trophies, but I wouldn't mind Dyer winning a couple. So I don't know why that is. Sorry, Harry. Well, that'll be really I'm tough right now. <laughs> yeah, it might be hard. It might be a tough ask at this point. So it uh, might be. We'll see. All right, fair enough. Uh, what else is there to say on transfers? Are we are, are we kind of leaving it there? Like I'm, I'm very, very open to whatever happens the rest of the way. But I think that's pretty much all she wrote um, in terms of the incomings, unless we get a surprise. I, the Gallagher one, Scott, like you mentioned, I forgot to say this. I, I agree with you. I think that's more to the summer idea, but God, would it be so great to like rip Mauricio Pochettino's captain from him and like shove it back in his face by winning the be league. Be careful, man. That would, hey. that would be, that would be so cool. Be, I'm sorry. It don't be would. too hard on him. It would be awesome. I think he's a great player for the system too. Um, the only other thing I'll say is I do like how, how we're willing to, to move guys on. I mean, I think there's still a couple pieces that eventually do we need to, to go right? We mentioned Regulon. Unfortunately, I think the Brian Heal experiment might be coming to a wrap. Um, I think he he's more suited to playing elsewhere. Um, but Sessegnon maybe, unfortunately. And I think that in the past we've been a club who is just unwilling to let go of assets for the for the fear of the loss that comes with it, right? But it looks like we're moving past those times. So if, if I'm a betting person, I don't expect any more incomings, but I wouldn't be shocked if we see a couple of outgoings for sure. So. You were just about to transition us to the women's team. And I, I feel like that ruthlessness uh, in terms of outgoings, we kind of saw a little bit of that with Rhea Percival heading out on loan. I was shocked to see that news, frankly, um, just because she's been such a mainstay in the team and, you know, I think really important in, in a few of our recent seasons. You know, she obviously had the bad ACL injury that she took quite a while to recover from. And I, I think that's honestly what has precipitated this loan because she's just not looked the same fitness-wise this season. Um, so it's it's sad to see her going out. And, you know, she's still got time left on her contract after this. So there's, there's a possibility she could be back. But... Um, I don't know. It does kind of feel like the writing might be on the wall and it's just sad to see for someone who's really been a fan favorite, I would say. It feels like the kind of ruthlessness we've seen, you know, on, on the men's side. Like I hate, I, I feel like I've been doing this all year and I don't intend to, but there are so many parallels between the changes that have been made with this women's team, a new manager coming in, wanting to play a more aggressive and progressive style of football, a more fluid style of football and being kind of ruthless with a lot of the changes that have happened within the team and just saying, sorry, this has not been working. We're going to do it a different way. So I agree with you. Like the, the, it's, it's multiple loan moves out. They, they've brought in new players this month that we, that we talked about last week. Like there are a lot of changes happening here and it's like, get on board or, or, or don't. Yeah. And I think similar to the men's team, it's good to see these moves happening early in the window so that the team can adjust. You know, we're going to talk about the FA Cup game a little bit in a minute, but it's, you know, ideal that we can get our new signings kind of integrated quickly because um, we have a real potential to, you know, kind of solidify 
a place closer to the top of the table this season. Um, you know, I feel like we've made progress, but there's still, you know, a few, a few pieces that need to be put in place just to get us to that next level. And it feels like we're, we're definitely trending in that direction. And I think the fact that we've brought in some young players is really promising too, because those are players who are going to develop with the team. Um, Cause you know, in recent seasons, we've had kind of a, a bit of an older roster. So I think this is a positive development for sure. Yeah. It's, I mean, at this point, like you say, looking at the table itself, you're only seven points off of a champions league spot. Now I know that sounds like a lot, especially in the women's game where there are only the two or three dominant teams. Um, and there is such a, a wider gap between, you know, that top of the table, middle of the table. But like we saw this team beat Arsenal just a few weeks ago. Like it, it was like, this team has done already done things that are impressive and tell you, Oh, you can make noise. You can still make noise. And and if they're adding reinforcements in the window, more power to them. I'm completely on board. Um, you mentioned the FA Cup match. They did play an FA Cup match this morning. We did not get to watch it because it was not televised, which is a problem. But you got, you know, you, you have eyes on the ground. You've got the inside scoop. Tell us about what happened in this FA Cup match because it sounds a lot like a match I really would have liked to watch because there was a thrilling comeback by Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> Yeah, just on that, I feel like we do need to discuss the fact that it was not available to stream. And I don't, I feel like the club is getting a lot of flack for this. And like, yes, I think they probably could have bought the rights potentially to show it on Spurs Play. However, it's also on the FA that they did not televise or stream all of the games, you know, that they only did select games. Um, because, you know... <laughs> Frankly, Tottenham tends to be a team that gets shafted when that's the situation. I don't know why that's the case, um, but it's not fair to the the teams lower down the pyramid as well, who you know would really benefit from more exposure. And that that really is supposed to be part of the FA Cup's mission is growing the game, as we know. Um, so I just feel like from a simple equity perspective, the fact that you can stream every men's FA Cup fourth round match and not the same for the women's is problematic. So uh, do better FA, probably do better Tottenham as well. <laughs> but like you said, luckily I had some friends who were at the game and uh, were able to give me some information, uh, such as the fact that at one point, LA Brazil was playing as a right back, you know, just some bizarre uh, lineup and selection decisions in this one. I think partially because we have a bit of an injury crisis as well with the women's team. Um, I think that's that's getting to a better place because we did see Evelina Simonen back on the pitch. You know, she got a start. Olga Atenen came on as a sub in the second half and apparently was really instrumental to the comeback. Um, you know, also getting an assist for the game-winning goal. So I think those are positive signs. Um, we did see Charlie Grant, one of the new signings, got a start. Um, and then Matilda Vinbera, she came on as a sub. We did not get to see Wang Shuang because she was not in the squad, and I don't know why. Um, we had been getting better information about injuries, but I, I feel like they dropped the ball with that um, for this game because there were a few players, you know, kind of mysteriously missing. So not really sure what's going on there. But it's it sounds like we uh, conceded from a set piece for the first goal, and then the second goal was a situation of, 
Ellie kind of getting smoked on her flank um, because she's not a right back, you know? I think that should be reiterated. Um, but we fought back. Beth England got her first two goals of the season. Uh, so that's definitely cause for celebration that she's, you know, back back in form and in fitness, most importantly. Um, Jess Naz winning the penalty that Beth converted for our second goal. And then Rosella Ion getting the game winner with a chipped shot. So, I mean, it's not ideal that we had to make a comeback against a team that we were expected to comfortably beat. But considering kind of the wonkiness of the starting lineup and, you know, that kind of circumstantial stuff, I feel like it's it's good that we got the win in the end. Yeah, it's easy to forget that this team has not played a match in like almost a full month um, and to, to come back um, and, you know, maybe have a slow start getting back to it. But ultimately, to advance, I think is is positive. And like you said, with all of the all of the, the changes and movement within the, the the dressing room, like there's a lot going on, and and we're they're trying to figure it out and and get their footing in this in this thing. And uh, you know, you you take it again. I'm I'm with you on being a little pissed that I couldn't watch it because uh, I was definitely up this morning and would have loved to have seen it. But instead, I was stuck watching. Whatever the Premier League match was, I think it was Aston Villa Everton was on before Spurs and, and Man United. And I was like not very entertained by that game. I uh, would have much rather watched Spurs women instead, but oh well. That's kind yeah, of Yeah, it would have been a nice day for a double header for sure. Uh, I, I, I think Caroline's spot on too. You know, shame on the FA, shame on Spurs. Also, I'd say shame on ESPN. I mean, they have the rights to the FA Cup, right? I don't I don't know what goes into it. Um from a negotiation standpoint to get all those games streamed, but I don't know why it can't happen. It just seems unfortunate, like sex, sex neglect, right. To not, to not put your stamp down and go make that happen. I also think it's a missed business opportunity. I'm how, how many people would have signed up for five ninety nine a month to, to, to get to watch the women's FA cup. Um, I've got ESPN, but I certainly would have signed up if I did it right. To, to be able to watch that game today. So, um, and and Caroline reminds me that ESPN maybe doesn't have any women's football, which unfortunate, you know, beyond the scope of what we're discussing right now. Um, so I don't know. Do better. It might not be always about always about your profit margins. And and dare I say, you know, I'm not an expert, but somebody's going to get the rights to to become you know the 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 mega conglomerate for women's football. And whoever does that, I think from a business perspective, is it's a smart move. I don't know. It would have to be right. So. I just think it's silly in this day and age that we don't have an opportunity to, even if we want to pay for it, watch all the games like, and we do pay for it. You know, the three of us are sitting here uh, in the United States where we have to have ESPN plus and Peacock and Paramount plus, And, you know, and this is just for like watching soccer for, for, to, to, to watch the teams that we like to watch. Like that's, they're in all the different competitions and all the different competitions have different broadcast partners. And I know here in the States, there was just this huge debate over the last 48 hours because they put an NFL peacock, uh, an NFL playoff game rather on peacock on, on the streaming surface uh, for, for the first time. And everybody's losing their minds that you were going to have to watch an NFL playoff game on a streaming service. Well, as soccer fans, we're used to that shit. But when you don't even make the games available in that sense, even if we have to pay for them, it, like we're soccer fans, that we've been shown that we'll do that. So give us the opportunity to give you money to watch these games. For there not even to be that is a little ridiculous to me. So that's disappointing. 
I didn't really want to end the podcast on that much of a downer, but um, F you to all the broadcast partners who make it so hard for us to follow this game. That's that's basically where I'm at. Uh, we're going to have a lot more to say next week. The women do play next week. They play West Ham. Is that, do I have that right? Or did I just misread my notes? Yes. They play at West Ham next Sunday, uh, back in WSL play. So we will, we'll have that game to recap. No men's game next weekend, of course, because they don't play until a week from Friday in that FA cup match. So I'm sure they'll give us plenty to talk about otherwise with injury updates and transfer news. So we'll have that for you as well next week. Uh, until then, for Scott and for Caroline, I have been your host, Andrew. This has been the Tottenham Depot Podcast. Oh, one more thing before we get out of here. Be sure to go uh, subscribe to our YouTube page, just at Tottenham Depot. It's not one that we shout out a lot, but uh, if you've listened to the end of the podcast, you are probably someone who follows us on social media, at Tottenham Depot on Twitter and on Instagram and threads and places like that. But if you haven't followed us on YouTube yet, do that uh, with, with an eye to the future. We're going to hopefully be putting up some more content on the youtube page here in the near future so go do that Uh, until next week this has been the tottenham depot as always come on you spurs we're not here because everything's running away i think anyone doing sort of any kind of objective commentary on our season would not say that we've had an easy year and the only reason we're in the position we are is because we've had players who you know, are prepared to put aside whatever adversity we're going through and give everything they have. And I've said this week on end that these guys are giving me everything, whoever's out there, you know, whether it's guys playing out of position, guys who haven't played for a while, guys coming back from injury, they just give everything. And it's not always uh, smooth, but, you know, there's no manager on this planet who who wouldn't feel like, you know, they're, they're in the right place when they see that the effort that these players are putting in every week.